going to be speaking to us today. And Lord, I just pray that you fill him afresh with your Holy Spirit. Lord, that he will, everything that you've put on his heart, Lord, he'll be able to convey. And Lord, that we as your people will be uh, receivers of your word and not just hearers only, but we will actually put into practice all that you say to us today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 Thanks, Han. Good to be in the presence of God, isn't it? Uh, yeah, it's just, just great to be here and be worshipping the King of Kings. Um, so this morning we're continuing the, the series of talks on the Ten Commandments or the Ten Words uh, in the, the Hebrew Bible. Um, and we're going to talk about don't steal. God says don't steal. Uh, like most of, uh, well, like all of the talks we, we've had, when you begin to unwrap some of these things, uh, you find there's perhaps a lot more to it than appears on the surface when you first look at it. Uh, and certainly, as, as I've been preparing for this morning, I, I've definitely been uh, challenged. And uh, there are some things that maybe you'll find challenging this morning as well when we look at this command, don't steal. So I just want to remind you uh, of a couple of things that, that I said before when I talked about uh, don't commit adultery in terms of what these commands are all about. We have these ten commands, ten words in the Bible. And what they are not is and never designed to be was a, a kind of checklist. And, and you look at them and you try and check them off and you say, have I been good enough? Have I earned God's favor by being good enough, by obeying these commands? That's not, and it never was, what these commands were all about. This was about God revealing himself, shedding some light for the Israelites, his chosen people. He was revealing something about his nature and he was inviting them into a walk with him. He was saying, this is my nature and I want you to adopt my nature. I want you to be like me. I want you to be set apart. I want you to be holy. So it's about God revealing himself and God revealing what he wants us to be like as part of his people. And this is what he said to Israel through, through Moses. Exodus chapter 19. For all the earth is, is mine. And remember that. All the earth is mine. God is the creator of everything, right? He owns everything. <laughs> he is the ultimate owner of everything. All the earth is mine. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. This is what he wanted Israel to be, to be set apart, to be like him, to carry his light and his good news to the rest of the world, to be a blessing to the rest of the world. <coughs> that was what he wanted to do through Israel. And of course we know the story how Israel time and time again turned their back on God, 
and how he tried to win them back again, but it wasn't working. And so ultimately, God sent Jesus to restore relationship with him. And those words of Moses, the words that God gave to Moses, are echoed in Peter's letter. 1 Peter 2 verse 9. But you, and this is us, this is everybody that believes in Jesus, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. We have taken on that role. God sent Jesus to redeem us, to restore us in relationship with God. And he says, right, you now are my royal priesthood. You are the ones that are going to carry my light. Through you, my kingdom is going to come on earth. That's what God's inviting us into right now. Sharing in his work, making his kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Wow. So I guess the question is, what does that mean in terms of this command? Don't steal. What does that mean for us? What does that command, do not steal, reveal about God's nature? His desire for us. Walking in his light. Making his kingdom come. Well, I guess we're all familiar with these words in Matthew where Jesus was asked, you know, what is the greatest command? And Jesus summed up all of the rules, all of the laws in the Old Testament. He summed them up with two commands, right? You must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, and you must love your neighbor as yourself. So everything else can be summed up in those two commands. They were both taken from the Old Testament, in fact. First one is from Deuteronomy 6, verse 5. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And the second one was from Leviticus. Leviticus chapter 19, verse 18. Do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against anyone among your people, but love your neighbor as yourself. And apparently, Jesus was the first person to ever put those two commands together lots of other rabbis lots of other teachers Jewish teachers nobody else had put those two commands together and said this is what the heart of God is all about and these are like you know they're like two big buckets really aren't they big buckets and do not steal has to fit into the love your neighbor as yourself bucket doesn't it That's part of what it means to love your neighbor as yourself. That's part of God's revelation. So loving God, loving others, 
two big buckets, but we can, we can probably break it down a little bit more than that. We can look at perhaps categories that some of these rules, some of these laws, some of these guidelines, if you like, might fit into. And I'd like to suggest that do not steal fits into a category of generosity and, and social justice. The heart of God for generosity and social justice. Don't steal, don't hold on to something that belongs to someone else. And you might be sitting there and you might be thinking, come on, this is stretching it a little bit, isn't it? <laughs> is that really what Do Not Steal is all about? Generosity and social justice. Well, I want to just give a couple of verses to illustrate this and to show what I think is the heart behind this command. This is Leviticus 19, verse 13. You shall not oppress your neighbor nor rob him. Okay? Straightforward again. Don't steal from your neighbor. Don't oppress your neighbor or rob him. The wages of a hired man are not to remain with you all night until morning. You've hired somebody to do some work for you. Pay them when they've done the work. Don't hold on to the money. Pay them when they've done the work. Don't hold on to something that belongs to someone else. So, to my mind, that's, that's a clear extension and a clear link between the two. Don't steal, don't hold on to something that belongs to someone else. And then Leviticus 25, verse 35. If your brother becomes poor, and this wasn't just blood brother, this was a brother in Israel. If your brother becomes poor, you shall support him as though he were a stranger and a temporary resident, and he shall live with you. Take no interest from him or profit, but fear your God. You shall not lend him your money at interest, nor give him your food for profit. I am the Lord. So, do you get where I'm coming from when I'm saying that no, do not steal is part of, of a, a kind of family of rules, if you like, that God was laying down that actually illustrate his generosity, his principles about generosity and about justice and about social justice. This is all about God revealing his heart, his heart for the poor, his heart for the vulnerable, his heart for the people that have no voice, his heart for the fatherless, his heart for the widows, his heart for the oppressed, his heart for the unloved. I, you know, you, I, I, I could pick so many verses. <laughs> I'm just going to read a few verses that just illustrate some of this, some of the heart of God. A few verses from the Bible. Deuteronomy chapter 10. The Lord your God 
is the God of all gods and Lord of all lords, the great, mighty, and awesome God who doesn't play favorites and doesn't take bribes. He enacts justice for orphans and widows, and he loves immigrants, giving them food and clothing. That means you must also love immigrants because you were immigrants in Egypt. He's saying to the Israelites, remember what it was like when you were in Egypt. You've got people, foreigners in your land, immigrants in your land. You've got to look after them. I looked after you when you were an immigrant in Egypt. You've got to do the same. Deuteronomy 14. At the end of every third year, you shall bring out all the tithe of your produce in that year. You know, they, they were asked by God to give a tenth of, of everything that they had. Deposit it in your town. The Levite, because he has no portion or inheritance among you and the alien and the orphan and the widow who are in your town shall come and eat and be satisfied in order that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hand which you do. They were to give out of generosity to the people who had nothing. There will always be poor people in the land. Therefore I command you to be open-handed toward your fellow Israelites who are poor and needy in your land. When you reap your harvest in your field and have forgotten a sheaf in the field, don't go back and get it. It shall be for the alien, for the orphan, for the widow, in order that the Lord may bless the work of your hands. You must not oppress foreigners. You know what it's like to be a foreigner, for you yourself were once foreigners in the land of Egypt. When a stranger travels with you in your land, you shall do him no wrong. You shall treat the stranger traveling through your land as, as you would a native among you, and you shall love him as yourself for you were strangers in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. The land must not be sold permanently, says the Lord, because the land is mine and you are but aliens and my tenants. We are foreigners in God's land, looking after God's land. Thus says the Lord, do justice and righteousness. Deliver the one who has been robbed from the power of his oppressor. Also do not mistreat or do violence to the stranger, the orphan or the widow. Do not shed innocent blood in this place. A father to the fatherless, a defender of the widows. God is in his holy dwelling. Defend the weak and the fatherless. Whoever is kind to the poor lends to the Lord and he will reward them for what they've done. That's an interesting one, isn't it? Whoever is kind to the poor lends to the Lord. Clear implication is that God's going to owe us something if we're kind to the poor. 
Speak up for those who cannot speak up for themselves, for the rights of all who are destitute. Speak up and judge fairly. Defend the rights of the poor and needy. And Jesus, in in Matthew chapter 25, For I was hungry, you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. Naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. And the righteous are going to say to him, when did we do that? And Jesus says, truly, to the extent you did this for one of these brothers of mine, the very least of them, you did it for me. And this, I think, is at the heart of do not steal. It's much, much more than don't steal. It's about God's heart for generosity, for love, for care, for social justice. And it goes back to the very creation. Because God created us in his image. God loves us, every single one of us. Not just you and me, but every single person is created in the image of God, created equal, to be loved. But in this broken world, we have people who have no voice, who are oppressed, who are abused, who are poor. And God says, that's not right. These are people I created in my image. And this is not right. This is not my kingdom. And I want you to make my kingdom come now. See, the Bible is absolutely saturated with this stuff. You know, I've, I've read out a few verses to you now, but honestly, you, you look in the Bible, you read through the Bible, it is absolutely saturated with this stuff. God's heart for people who are oppressed. God's heart for people who have no voice. And he says, that's not right. Jonathan Edwards was an 18th century preacher in the States, a revivalist and and preacher. And he's often quoted, but this is one of of the things that, that he said. Where have we any command in the Bible laid down in stronger terms and in a more urgent manner than the command of giving to the poor? It's challenging this stuff. It's really challenging because God is saying to you and me, I want you to get my heart. I want you to understand my heart. 
I want your heart to break for the things that my heart breaks for. And I want you to make a difference. Last week, Angela reminded us of, about this um, rich, young, rich young ruler, you know, the, the guy that came up to Jesus. And he, he said, yeah, t- tell me, how do I get eternal life? And he said, you know, I've obeyed all the commands. I've been good. I've not committed adultery. I've not stolen. I've not borne false witness. I haven't defrauded. I've honored my father and mother. I've been good. What do I have to do? And Jesus loved him and said, one thing you lack. Go and sell all you possess and give to the poor. Because his heart was in his possessions and in his wealth. And God said to him, come on, your heart's got to be for me. Not for earthly possessions. Don't hoard stuff for yourself when you can see others in need. And in 1 John 13, first letter of John, straightforward, really simple. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let's not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. That's back to the faith and works things, isn't it? We're saved by faith. Absolutely. There's nothing else that will save us but belief in Jesus. But that has to change us. If it doesn't change us, our faith means nothing. This is God's world. All the world is mine. We're just stewards of what he's given us. He expects us to look after it with him and to look after others, those in need. Jesus was God in human form, right? God, the cosmic creator, emptying himself of power and authority to become a human, to walk on earth like you and me, to serve us, to get down on his feet and wash the feet of the disciples. This is God. King of kings, Lord of lords, the creator of the universe. And he gets down and he washes the feet of his disciples. He empties himself of power and authority. That is the generosity of God. Because God would stop at nothing to get you and me back. 
stop at nothing because Jesus died. Died to restore our relationship with God. That is generosity. And how does that weigh up against our generosity? We are a church that believes in social justice. We are a church that takes this stuff seriously. And that is fantastic. Because, I, I, you know, you, you, as I said earlier on, you open the Bible and you look at what God is saying and you look at where God's heart is and we have to get out there. We have to be doing this stuff. We have to be caring for the poor. We have to be giving a voice to those who have no voice. We are a community church and we do try to care for those in our community. Those who are oppressed. Those who are poor. Those who don't have a voice for themselves. It's not optional. It's not an add-on to what we do here on a Sunday. What goes on in the old library during the week, what goes on in people's houses during the week, is not an add-on to what we do here on a Sunday morning. It's the heart of what we do. Because we believe that this is God's heart, right? To share his love. To share the good news of the gospel whilst we meet the needs of people. Open door happens twice a week. Monday morning and Thursday morning. We have all sorts of people coming in on a Monday morning and Thursday morning people in need that we try to meet sharing the love of Jesus we have people that come in to open door on a regular basis because it's a safe place where they feel they can meet Jesus this is the heart of the gospel isn't it And my challenge this morning, I suppose, is really how, how do we take that and make it part of all of our lives? What does God want you to do to help support this work that we do? It isn't an optional extra. You know, wouldn't it be fantastic if we could have open door three mornings a week? instead of two mornings a week. Wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't it be great if we could do it five days a week instead of two mornings a week? Seriously. You know, what, what's God's vision for what we need to be doing in this community? Sharing his love. 
And what does it mean for you and me to be generous to achieve that? It's not about feeling guilty. You can't even see that, can you? <laughs> On the left there, the guy carrying the weight says guilt. <laughs> it's not about feeling guilty. God does not want any of us to feel guilty. That's not what it's about. It's about getting God's heart, isn't it? It's about being changed by His Holy Spirit. Getting inside us and saying, this is my heart for my world that's hurting. I want my kingdom to come right now. So there's this story told about a farmer. Farmer who uh, owned a herd of cows. Had plenty of cows. Didn't need any more, but one of his cows got pregnant. And this cow was going to give birth to twins. And so he went home to his wife and he said, Honey, I think what we should do when this cow gives birth to her calves, when the calves grow up, we should sell them. We don't need them. We've got plenty of cows. We should sell both of these calves. And we should give half of it to the Lord. And she said, that's fantastic. That's a really great idea. Let's give half of the money to the Lord. So the two calves were born. And they were delighted. They were so happy. These two calves were born. Calves were growing up. And the farmer came home one day and said to his wife, oh, I am so, so upset. And she said, what's wrong? And he said, one of the calves has died. The calf we were going to give to the Lord has died. Isn't that so often, in truth, what we do? We take what we want first, we take what we think we need first, and then out of what's left, our time, our money, our work, whatever's left, then we give something to God. Do not steal. So much more to it. <laughs> so I want to leave you with one question this morning and one challenge. We are chosen. We are royal. We are holy. We are God's people. But the question is, what are we stealing from God? What am I stealing from God? What am I withholding from God that he would want me to give? My time? Time to spend at open door? 
money to support the work that we do. But thinking too about the way that we make our money, the choices we make when we spend our money, the time and priorities in our prayer life. These are things that God wants to change. But I don't know what the future holds. I I do believe that God calls us as a community church to roll up our sleeves and develop what we have started in the community. To make it a priority, not something that's an add-on to what happens here on a Sunday morning, but to affect every one of us deeply in one way or another. What are we stealing from God? Mm-hmm. <laughs>